Hey everybody, welcome to the Florida Basketball Hour. Happy signing day. Obviously the uh, Gators closed strong with uh, Chris Bogle out of Fort Lauderdale and uh, Kyrie Elam, a huge, huge gift for the Gators in Palm Beach County. Um, recommend uh, Big 3 Roll Up, our buddies on Gators Breakdown, any of those sites to get all your signing day coverage. And uh, today we're going to talk about Florida's disappointing loss at Auburn. I thought one of Florida's worst performances of the season. Um, and, and kind of a tough way to, to get yourself uh, ready to go on the road and, and play the number one team in the country, um, which the Gators will do Saturday against Tennessee. Um, we said this was the toughest five-game stretch the Gators would have of the season on the last show, and uh, obviously it gets off to a rough start. Um, but we'll break it down for you and um, you know talk about how, how Florida can keep trying to get better as the, as the season uh, continues. Thanks for listening. Remember to follow us on Twitter at Florida BB Hour. Thank you. All right, everybody. I'm with Eric Fawcett, GatorCountry.com. What happened last night at Auburn? Um, and, and I don't know how much time – put it this way. I got into this, uh, got into this game a little bit this statistically, and I'm going to get Eric's thoughts on it here. Uh, I wasn't sure how much I really wanted to break it down because I thought it was kind of a plan. I mean, Florida, a season-high 17 turnovers against a team that feasts offensively when you do that. Right. I mean, that that, uh, that was kind of the story for me was just the extra possessions that Auburn had um, from the way that they offensive rebounded the ball um, to the way that uh, to the way that Florida turned it over. Um, you, you know, Florida had 17 turnovers. And you think about um, in a game where they, uh, you know, where they shot 63 percent from two point range, um, they didn't shoot well from three. But, um, you know, I think they shot 46 percent on the game from the field and um, that's good enough to win you a lot of games. But the thing is, uh, you know, when you turn the ball over that much and allow Auburn to get so many offensive rebounds, they just got so many more cracks at the hoop. So, I mean, you look at even, yeah, the 17 turnovers Florida has, if they have 11 turnovers instead of, instead of 17, that's uh, you know, that's six more less shots that Auburn gets to take um, many of those being, you know, layups off these turnovers and that's six more shots Florida could be taking. So, I mean, uh, you know, six possessions, say Auburn scores on three of them. They might probably score it on more because of the fast break. I mean, that's six or seven points off their total. And say Florida gets six more shots at the hoop. I mean, that's maybe six points for them. And there's a, you know, there's a 12-point swing. So uh, uh, that, was, that was just kind of uh, the story for me. Yeah, I mean, I, I couldn't I couldn't agree more. And I thought Florida just so many, you know, as a coach, it was a painful one to watch. For me, I don't know about you. I, I, it sounds like from what you're saying uh, – it was a tough watch for you too, Eric. Just all sorts of little fundamental things that you just can't do if you want to beat anyone good. Um, bad box outs. All night. All night bad box outs. Um, catching the ball flat-footed. Not ready to shoot. Um, which, unless you're Andrew Nimhard on, on Florida's team, and even Andrew had, what, one or two turnovers in jump pass situations? Yep. Like, just don't do that. Why are you doing that? Um, and and <coughs> I saw that uh, Chris Harry, who covers Florida, obviously for, for Florida Gators, 
uh, com. Um, you know, I saw a tweet that he sent out. It's like, and Chris has the explainer on that is Chris has far more access than Eric. Absolutely. Um, but by design, because he's hired by the university to do this. And, and he says, you know, Eric or Chris tweeted out everything that they were doing last night is like stuff that was a point of emphasis in the practice facility for the two days leading up to the game. And then Kavarius Hayes and Andrew Nimpard echo those sentiments when they talk to the media and say, yeah, we just didn't really play fundamental basketball. So I don't know what it is. I don't know if Florida just wasn't locked in or, or Auburn's really good and they got on the road and they got down. But I thought one of Florida's worst performances of the season. Yeah, I just thought, um, you know, Florida's at a point this season where their margin for error is just so small. Uh, they just can't have games where they – uh, don't defend at a high level and don't shoot the three well and don't rebound well. And uh, so, so a lot of these little mistakes just started to compound on each other and there's just no chance for them to win the game. Um, one thing that just really bothered me was uh, defensively how many pump fakes and, and lazy closeouts Florida had that allowed Auburn to get in the paint. It just seems like guys were just really hopping around, getting in the air for um, on ball fakes, on pump fakes and um, just getting blown by because of it. And, uh, there was a lot of just lazy, lazy closeouts where guys would uh, would fly by, uh, would fly by the guy they're closing out to, and that allowed them to get in the paint. And um, I thought that was, uh, yeah, just uh, not not what has made this team a good defensive team whatsoever. You've got to stay in your stance. You've got to play defense from the ground. You can't be jumping at every ball fake because if you're in the air, uh, you can't start moving side to side. You're you're in the air till you land, and then you got to catch your footing and get going. So um, that was something that really bothered me. Um, definitely a lot of the turnovers were just, uh, were pretty bad. Just like you said, I mean, uh, Kayvon Allen just got the ball ripped from him a few times, um, on a couple, just, uh, fairly routine, uh, guard to guard spot passes got, got picked off. Um, that was really concerning. Um, yeah. So I just, I just didn't think Florida can, they, they can't manage having so many of those things go wrong. Some really bad shot selection kind of at the end of the game, you know, uh, you know, Ballard who did, uh, you know, in his, you know, he did a couple, you know, relatively big shots relative to the score, not really being close, but some, some shots Florida needed. Um, but then, you know, in transition pulls up for a contested jumper with his foot on the line, something we, you know, saw from him a ton last year, killed any momentum Florida had just killed it. And um, not like the game was <laughs> that, that was what lost Florida the game. But, but once again, when you just have all these little, little errors um, going on constantly in different facets of the game. Um, Florida just doesn't have the, the talent and the depth right now to, to overcome that. Yeah, six, six turnovers for, for Kayvon Allen, um, who was also 4-11 from the field. Uh, Florida only had nine assists last night, um, which is low. You know, honestly, in SEC play, one of the things that's improved is their assist-to-baskets ratio. Um, as hard as that is to believe, like how, because the schedule's kind of been a little bit harder in conference play, you could argue, and and they uh, they've improved. Um, so so yeah, I mean, just that kind of stuff uh, is pretty maddening. And then you know, Auburn starts the game very hot for from three, but but as Eric referenced, some of it is Florida bites on ball fakes, and you get step back threes, which these Auburn guys can hit. Or Florida bites on ball fakes, and as a result, the ball reversals are really easy to guys that are ready to shoot. Um, and if Auburn's ready to shoot, that's bad. And then some of it, I think, to a lesser extent, Florida helping inside 
Um, and and that's the difference between this year's home game and and the difference and the the other teams Bruce Pearl's had right is the ability to score inside with Wiley and uh, Ukeke. Right. Yeah. They uh, they're a pretty balanced team, and and that was just something you kind of referenced was you know how bad you know how bad did Florida play? How much of it was was Auburn kind of <laughs> dictating it? But uh, this is an Auburn team I think is really good. But uh, one thing that I found maybe the most concerning about this game and. Um, uh, this is something that uh, is not fun to bring up, but I mean, uh, a lot of the conversation around Florida this year has been, uh, you know, the front court's not good enough. And, uh, you know, whether it's because of injury and, and everything, it's just, you know, they haven't got a lot from the front court. But, you know, like Florida's backcourt just got absolutely schooled last night. Like they, there was no question whatsoever who is the be- who are the best guards in the game. And I mean, if you were to say who is the best guard, who is the second best guard, who's the third best guard last night, um, probably all three of them are from Auburn. And I think that that's yeah. something that um, has kind of gotten maybe lost a little bit with this Florida team is that, you know, like, you know, Andrew Nemhart's had some really good games and has been a good player. Gavon Allen's had a good season. Um, but, you know, this it's, it's not like they've got this um, – incredible backcourt incredible perimeter core and it's just this um you know this empty front court that's not allowing them to win games um you know it's it's been a lot of uh it's been a lot of these games where, where florida's perimeter has been outplayed and and last night i would say they got outplayed really badly to be quite honest so uh that's just something i think that that needs to be considered when when guys like you know when guys like Kavarius hayes are, are getting a lot of hate from people or like you know, we they see Jalen Hudson out there at the four, Keontae Johnson out of the four, and and people talk about the front court. I mean, well, you look at the game last night, and I mean, uh, Auburn's perimeter just absolutely dominated Florida's. Yeah, uh, and and I would say, you know, I think it's happened. It certainly wasn't uh, the case against Kentucky, um, even though Lockenau didn't shoot particularly well. Like I thought, Florida's guards have been much better at home, at least in the last month. I think than they've been on the road. And, um, you know, sort of with the exception of Kayvon Allen in the Arkansas game, right? And so that's that's something that's got to change, I think, for Florida. And Kayvon Allen at this state on a night when Nimhard wasn't terrific. (laughs) So getting consistent balance from their backcourt in tough environments, um, you know, hasn't really been something that that Florida's been able to do when they've left uh, the friendly confines of – of the Odom. And the other thing I noticed one, and and it's not like this is new, but it's now four games or so where there are pieces on this roster. And and I know we keep talking about how we're going to talk about that at the end of the year, but I think some of it you can tease now because you're 12 and 10 and your path to the NCAA tournament is narrow. Your path to the NIT is a little wider. Uh, just because with the schedule they played, they're going to get an NIT berth if they have a winning record. <laughs> um, whether they accept it or not is a, a different story. Um, but but I wanted to point out, Dante Bassett starts, plays eight minutes. Um, he played 20 against Auburn last year at home. Uh, and probably his best game as a Gator in my mind. Michael Carr plays three minutes. Isaiah Stokes played four possessions, one of which... Um, he failed to go for a rebound that was right at him. Auburn scored another of which uh, he set the most obvious illegal screen of the season. So turnover and basket out of the game. Um, 
kind of the story of, of where he's at developmentally. And then Michael Cargo, only three minutes, he's kind of fallen off the face of the earth. In the last month, after really contributing, I thought, in the non-conference. And, uh, and you know, so Ballard played 13 minutes, some of which were more productive than he's been. Um, but some of that's like he hits a 30 of the shot clock, right? <laughs> yeah. So, so Florida's really down to a six-man rotation plus Jalen Hudson. Yeah, that's uh, that's something I wasn't expecting this year um, on a team I thought was going to be pretty deep, but uh, that is that is where we're at, and and it's it's just too bad because I know that there's a lot of, um, uh, you know, so I, I before the season um, I did uh, for Gator Country I did um, I did an article on every single Gator coming up in season and just kind of looked at what what, the, what they did last year, um, what to be expected. And, uh, you know, the, the one, the, the only one where some people just adamantly, adamantly disagreed with me. And I, and I don't say this to rub it into anyone who is, uh, you know, uh, oh, I was so right. But the one thing I said that people really, really pushed back on was I said, there's no way Okaro shoots like he did last year, um, this season. There's just, there's just no way. And, um, that hasn't been the case, but I really thought he was going to kind of command minutes with his defense. And I thought he was, uh, you know, probably going to develop as a ball handler to the point that when Nemhart was, was out, Okara would be in. And uh, yeah, that just, that just hasn't been the case. And you know what? I was pretty, uh, I was pretty intrigued by, by Stokes uh, skill set. And I thought he would find a way to command minutes and he just hasn't been good enough. And, and like you said, missing out on, on rebounding. I mean, he's got to be like his brother on the glass. If he's going to be a valuable player in, t- in today's game. And, um, you know, we know he hasn't been great offensively and, uh, it's, it's just, it's just crazy how they just haven't been able to get, to get anything out of those, uh, out of those bench pieces because, um, you know, the, the most valuable bench pieces are where Keontae Johnson and, and Noah Locke. And obviously, yeah, they're starting now. Right. And, and Keontae had a season high five turnovers for him last night, but, but you can't say like, I thought he was one of the few Gators that played pretty well, him and Jalen Hudson, um, oddly enough uh and Jalen's shot selection at the end was poor but I felt like some of that was Jalen just was like we need to make a three-pointer yeah I'm okay uh, with yeah like if he's gonna take a you know them off the bounce three those were shots at the beginning of the year that we talked about him being able to make whatever um that kind of is what it is but the but the five turnovers with Keontae a couple of those were hustle turnovers where like he was just the last guy to the ball um, and then another 10 rebounds, really the only Gator I thought that got after it on the glass. This is just a, a recurring trend. And it's pro it's why, you know, Eric and I are probably going to be the last two people on earth to give up on the season outside of the coaching staff. Yes. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> it was, it just felt like last night was, it was just very deflating. Um, they just didn't play well. And with number one, Tennessee on the horizon, you know, you just hope that they can get their heads right for, for what's a must win against Vanderbilt next week, as much as I hate to say that. Well, yeah, I, I would say what was most deflating for me was, again, the fact that, um, that the guards weren't good. Um, and that's uh, – I, I didn't think that the guards had been – you know, like I said, I think that the guards probably haven't been good as, as good as some people thought all season. Not that they've been terrible or anything, but, but once again, it's not like right. they've got – you know, guys that are combining for 35 points and, and 12 assists together. It's uh, it, it just hasn't been the case. So I, uh, just to see that um, there, there was no position group, I guess, that I thought was really good for the Gators and, and just kind of kept more, uh, more questions. I mean, there was the one jump pass turnover from Andrew Nemhart that got, you know, that got him pulled and, and it's just like, well, there's just not a, 
great option to go to when um, when he's off the floor, it was then Kayvon Allen who, you know, turned the ball over a lot. And, you know, Isaiah Stokes misses a box out and, and commits an obvious offensive foul. And there's not a great depth piece to bring in for him. And, and it was just like uh, just one of those nights where it was um, what, what, you know, the Gators strengths seemed like they were just so much less than Auburn's strengths. And um, it just seemed like uh, their deficiencies were just so amplified last night in, in every possible way. And um, that that's what I would say is, is just so deflating is, um, you know, moving forward, I just, um, you know, I, I don't see, uh, I don't see a way that this, um, that, you know, that, that Florida's uh, backcourt is just so good um, that they can kind of run through the SEC tournament or something against all the great backcourts that we've seen and are going to see. And obviously the front court is what it is with the injuries. And um, this is, uh, you know, right up before the last podcast, we talked about, um, we talked about how Florida state was the only game that Florida really just was never in. And even though this game was, you know, six points at halftime um, because of that cave on Allen layup, which came off a foul that had um, cave on Allen dribbling out the shot clock for 30 seconds and getting bailed out. But, uh, right. uh, you know, even though it was six points at half, it really felt like Florida had no chance. Um, and, and I mean, the way that they came out in the second half really showed that I don't think they believed they had a chance. Um, they got blown out pretty quick to start the second half. So. Um, I would categorize this as, as the second game where I felt like Florida wasn't in it at all. And it's one thing on a, on night one of the season where uh, you're still kind of figuring things out. Um, it's a lot different at this point. Yeah, it is. Especially because you always hear the like cliche that conference play is a grind, but part of, part of overcoming that grind is just being mentally prepared to play. And, and I don't, I don't know if it was just that Florida gave everything they had for 35 minutes against Kentucky came up short and kind of said, oh, boy, we've got to go at Auburn and at Tennessee this week. It's going to be hard. And, and I hate to put it like that because, again, this is, these, are, these are so speculative because Eric and I aren't at practice. We aren't in meeting rooms. We can only kind of say what our eyes see. And, and sometimes I think that's why we're more comfortable talking about X's and O's, right? Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Because you can talk about that. But it looked like Florida last night didn't. Um, in the second half, I, I would, I would agree with that assessment. And I thought um, this was kind of one of those nights where the coaching staff, you know, I mean, they were quick to call timeouts, like let's stop runs, let's keep the crowd out of the game, let's do everything we can to kind of give our guys a chance. And Florida just never responded with any sort of of haymaker of their own. Yeah, and and I don't know. Again, I I, I really try to keep my my speculation regarding the uh, the mindsets of of <laughs> players to uh, to a minimum because. Um, I don't know. And it's just like a classic like fan thing to be like, Oh, this team doesn't care enough or whatever. Um, I think it's, yeah. I think it's what people say a lot of times when they don't know how to explain the X and O's, X's and O's. But anyways, um, I, I do wonder, you know, Florida plays in a lot of these tight games and uh, they, they haven't been able to come out on top just because of the way that they a lot largely do the way they haven't been able to execute offensively really well. And it does make me wonder if it's just uh, if Florida again, knows that they just have to be, be really uh, be quite perfect to win a basketball game, just uh, that they don't have a large margin fair and that, um, you know, when Auburn starts hitting tough threes to start the game and um, on front of their home crowd, I, I do wonder if that weighs on you a little bit more heavily. And, um, you know, and again, I could be totally wrong. Maybe that totally just does not even enter their mindset. And th- there's a good chance. So, um, you know, that's probably going to be the end of my my speculation of uh, the mindset of the team for today's podcast. 
You know, and I thought it was interesting that Bruce Pearl was, you know, and, and again, I want to get into this last thing that I thought last night because I had two kind of final takeaway thoughts from it just from a, a bird's eye view of the program standpoint. Two things stood out. One was, um, you know, Keontae Johnson. It's a good shot by the SEC network guys of, of Keontae turned around at the bench looking at the Auburn student section, which is why that led me to tweet out, um, you know, I hope that I hope that the Gators are like making an Arya Stark list of of the places and, and fans that have that have hit them uh, or with the Gator Chomp or with Chance, because this freshman class, I think, has a chance to be pretty special. And you hope that they're remembering this kind of stuff. Um, certainly Florida's best teams did. Um, you know, Scotty Wilbekin and Patrick Young seniors were famous for that. Um, and then the second thought was speculative which just the bruce pearl quote that that when we're out recruiting florida's a next tier program like that's what we want to be is them so we held them to four three-pointers they averaged 10 we turned them over 17 their their to their biggest number had been 14 um you know to know those numbers off the top of his head kind of tells you you know yeah it still means a lot to people in the sec to beat florida in basketball let's keep it that way um, and I think, you know, when you talk about your culture, that that's what Florida has to has to play for here the rest of the season, right? Yeah, well, I mean, that that's the thing is a lot of these pieces are back, you know, like uh, obviously right now it's, uh, uh, you know, it seems like, you know, obviously Hayes is going to be gone. And he's the only starter that's going to be that's going to be leaving and uh, and, you know. Hudson will be gone and everything, but, uh, and Allen, but, or yeah, Allen's gone obviously too, but like, yeah, it seems like a lot of the major pieces are, are obviously coming back. And, uh, like you said, have a chance to, uh, to get kind of a little bit of retribution. And, and that's even kind of a little bit why kind of talking about like, Oh, should Florida run a different offense? Because it doesn't work with this group. Um, you know, like, like you and me have talked about, we don't think this is the best offense that, dribble drive with this group but it might be next year with the guys coming in so you wonder like right you know do you keep it up so that uh Keontae Johnson is is used to it and, and Noah Locke can can improve in it and Nemhard as well and um you know playing for that but uh yeah kind of one one of my takeaways too again just kind of going back to the way that uh uh, that Florida's had trouble with uh, some teams. They they had trouble even with Ole Miss a little bit, even though they got the win. And, and Auburn a ton is just again these guards that can just get in the paint and get in the paint and get in the paint. And um, you look at Harper and, and Brown, guys that uh, you know really didn't shoot the ball super well coming out of high school, but uh, right. but um, you know they could get in the paint. And uh, you know they ended up going to Auburn, who you know at the time was uh, not as good as they are now or whatever. And, uh, you know, they develop into jump shooters. And I feel like for a lot of guys, you know, you can develop a jump shot. What you can't develop is that shiftiness to get in the paint. Um, I, yeah. I just think that that's something you see over and over and over and over again in, in basketball. And, yes, I know some guys do not develop a jump shot. Casey Hill never developed a jump shot. Um, but you know what? It's really, really hard to take a guy um, that doesn't get into the paint and doesn't have that ability and, and turn him into that. Um, you know what? Noah Locke, I'm not totally sure he'll ever be a guy that really gets in the paint uh, you know, especially an elite caliber, that would really, that would really shock me. And he could still be a very effective player, um, not being able to do that just with the shooting. But um, it, it seems like there, if you can find these guys that, uh, that can't shoot the ball, but can get in the paint, I mean, they can figure the rest of the stuff out. And I, I think that that was just something that really struck me as I was watching this, this Auburn team that, uh, you know, is not filled with a bunch of uh, five stars, at least, uh, you know, uh, other than the FBI 
guys, but uh, uh, yeah, but they would, you know, have these just uh, senior guards that get in the paint, get in the paint, get in the paint, all misses the same way. And it's a really effective way to play basketball. So, I mean, what do you, what do you hope that, that you'll see uh, kind of transitioning to Tennessee? Oh, Tennessee. Um, well, I, I, I'm kind of interested to see just uh, uh, the, the way that Mike White kind of bounces back from, uh, you know, get, whenever teams get to see each other for a second time, I would say that's what's, that's what's always kind of most intriguing to me. And uh, that was a game where obviously it was tight down to the wire. And uh, when it got close, um, the kind of more veteran team in Tennessee uh, out executed Florida and won and made it look like it was a lot, uh, you know, it wasn't close. The, the score didn't make it look close, even though the game was close. So, I, I, my, my kind of thing with, uh, would just be like, Hey, I hope that, uh, I hope that they can react a little bit better to the late game situation of Tennessee. And, um, and, and hopefully they can, um, hopefully they can kind of find a way to keep the game close just enough that, uh, that they can maybe have an, uh, a more improved effort when, uh, when things kind of come down to the wire. Yeah. I mean, I think that's a, that's a fair take. I had a thought on, on Noah Locke that just came to mind, which was that, you know, yeah, I mean, I think because Florida has to help on the way that we've talked about in, in the form of Trey Mann in particular that can that should be able to help the Gators in terms of guards that can get in the paint, get fouled, get, get, and, you know, collapse defenses. But, yeah, I mean, Noah Locke is a guy who you can you can get smart about it and, and suddenly become a pretty effective player in there. And I don't think he'll ever be, you know, where Scotty Wilbekin was in, in that regard. But, but uh who was the guy at Virginia that was ACC Player of the Year? Um, like a couple years? No, London Perante. Yeah, right. Like not not necessarily explosive. Certainly a what we call a below the rim player, right? But uh, just kind of crafty. Like developed that little eighteen foot, you know, fifteen to sixteen foot floater <laughs> that he could hit pretty consistently. That's the kind of next step for a guy like Noah Locke. Is is just because. And also, you know, defenses start to have to respect it. So, I mean, you're talking about riding freshmen who don't necessarily – well, not don't necessarily. They haven't had the opportunity to to develop their game in, a, in an off-season form like Eric's referencing. Yeah, there's a, that, would be a, that would be a great kind of – you know, if he got as good as, as Prentice in that area, I'd be pretty happy. But, uh, um, yeah, no, that's a, that's a great thought. And um, just uh, – once again, kind of going into uh, into Tennessee, just looking at uh, as I kind of look at the stats and relive that game. Um, I, I'm just remembering too the way that uh, I, this actually this is something that <laughs> that you you kind of jarred talking about Virginia and the way that Virginia guards uh, guards in the post versus how Florida kind of doubled down in the post against Tennessee and and kind of got beat with some three point shots out of it. Um, that's something yeah. I hope that Florida changes a little bit. Um, uh, I, I thought that they gambled a lot on. Um, and that's kind of what they've been doing in, in the paint is they send doubles from really like weird spots and not the, uh, you know, they'll, they'll send a double from one pass away, which you wouldn't normally do. They did it against Kentucky too. And it helped, it, it worked in a lot of, a lot of the time um, up until that last right. kind of stretch where um, it kind of, it kind of, it kind of bit the Gators and, and, uh, but it worked up to that point. And I kind of understand, um, uh, you know, if you're a guy like, uh, uh, like Grant Williams, you're kind of used to the double team coming from, uh, you know, from the, weak side baseline like most teams would do uh and you're kind of used to it and you're used to passing out of that but it said florida would you know send a send a double from the near corner and kind of surprise them a little bit and 
I would say against Tennessee, it didn't work super well. So I, I, that, that's something I would, uh, I would look at doing again. And that's just something that you reminded me with Virginia, who obviously plays a different, much different defense than Florida does with the, with the pack line. Um, but just the way that they, uh, they can kind of, uh, they kind of double team, but, but do force, you know, they send the double team from the weak side of the floor and force a pass to the other side of the floor and, and kind of give you, gives you more of a chance to rotate and, and hopefully contest a shooter. Um, I'd be pretty interested to see if uh, to see if Florida does something different. Yeah, that will be interesting, especially I, I don't know how much I, you know. I don't think playing at home or away necessarily changes how you defend too much, but the one thing that sometimes it might change is how you guard the three point line. Um, just because the three point shot can be so critical to runs, right? So um, Florida Florida might be more tempted to say. Hey, we're gonna Grant Williams is gonna get twenty five anyway. What's the difference if it's twenty five or thirty? If we can kind of limit what what Jordan Bowden Bowden do. Um, for those wondering, uh, the Vols' average margin of victory is actually higher away from home this season than it is at home. Uh, <laughs> hmm, interesting. In, in random statistics in conference play. Of course, they do have the one forty-six point win over Georgia at home to kind of skew that back uh, the other direction. But you know, Alabama came in and just played hard-nosed defense against them for forty minutes. But the difference there was we already talked about it. What was it, Eric? It was the ability of Petty and the Alabama guards to kind of get in the paint and irritate Tennessee and get them into foul trouble. Right, and uh, you know if. If Florida can, uh, you know, Florida obviously shot the ball well from two point range uh, uh, last night against Auburn, which is just kind of weird relative to how the game seemed to go. Um, but yeah, maybe they can uh, if they can do that again and, and soften things up and uh, uh, and kind of anything they can establish on the inside would just be so great to then open up, you know, the rest of their jump shooters. And uh, if that can be the case, that would be uh, that would be really special. And uh, just going back to something you just said. Um, just about the way that you, uh, you know, what's the difference between between Williams getting twenty five or thirty? Um, obviously, you wouldn't really want to get uh, get Hayes in foul trouble, but um, I was kind of thinking, you know, how, the one thing that was really effective for Florida um, for that first half and a bit against Tennessee was that extended one three one zone that kind of kept the ball uh, on the perimeter and and you know didn't allow them to get into their normal offense. Um, right, denying entry passes. Right, and yeah. that was, but uh, the thing was, Hayes could do that, but uh, but Bassett couldn't when he got into the game. Um, so I kind of wonder if when when Hayes is in there, if they do that one three one that falls back into a man just to to slow things down. Um, but then I mean, if they uh, if Bassett's in there, I I would be pretty interested to um, I would be pretty interested if they did just allow Dante Bassett to try to guard one on one, and you know if he gets in foul trouble. Um, you know, it is what it is. He played, you know, how many minutes did he play last night? You mentioned, I think he played like 10 or something, eight, eight minutes. Yeah. So, eight. I mean, if he's in there for eight minutes, um, might as well, might as well go one-on-one and use a couple fouls. Maybe if he feels like he's about to get beat or spun on, wrap him up or something. Um, just cause uh, it, it would also help with just kind of the different looks. Um, I also thought it was interesting against Auburn. They did, Florida did throw a little three, two zone in there. Something I didn't, uh, I, I don't think we've seen from them much. And, uh, I think that would be uh, that'd be pretty interesting when you do have the the Jalen Hudson at the four kind of going on, and uh, so I'll be interested if they do that just to give kind of a different look. But um, yeah, I'm I'm always interested in changing defenses. It's one of my favorite things. So I I'm all, you know especially playing a team for the second time, I, I'm curious to see what they do. Yeah, no, it's uh it's pretty interesting, and you know I think Tennessee is a team that you can wrinkle a little bit. Um, we saw with Vanderbilt that that Bryce Drew went with five guards 
for about 10 minutes, which is, by the way, I'm pretty sure that I didn't look up the exact minutes that the, that the Loyola Ram book. I'm not a dedicated enough podcast host, I guess, to to look up Loyola Ramblers guard minutes. But <laughs> I recall Loyola going very small against Tennessee, too, because you can get away with it a little um, big or small because uh, Schofield and Williams are so good on the glass. I guess, I guess what I'm saying is, you know, if you can go at them with quickness, like you're, you're not going to give up too much size if you go with five guards. So I wouldn't be stunned if Florida like just to rest Hayes, if, if Bassett's ineffective one-on-one, like why not? Like it's not something that Florida's try, tried this season. We're, we're in the business of trying lots of things. You know, play Jalen Hudson and just spread them out. Well, I mean, that's something that, that kind of goes back to something I was talking about on another podcast with you is just like, I, I mean, by the time that you have you have Jalen Hudson at the four, you know, there, there's just not much difference to me between like, you know, why don't you just, you know, play Keontae Johnson at the five and, um, and, and Okaru at the four. I mean, once you get small enough anyways, um, you know, the, the difference between 6'5 and 6'4 is, is not much when each player is, you know, 195 pounds. So, um, I, I don't see I don't see why you wouldn't just go, uh, you know, Keontae Johnson at the five and Jalen Hudson at the four and and try to and try to space them out that way. The, the problem is um, with that lineup to me is is once again, uh, and if you're going to play small, you need guys who can who can beat guys off the dribble. That's the advantage of playing. Yep. Playing a Jalen Hudson at a four is that he's got to be able to get by a, a four off the dribble and. Uh, and once again, that's, that is the issue with Florida skill set a little bit is, uh, when they, you know, playing Kayvon Allen at the, at the three or whatever, or Noah Lock at the three, uh, they should have matchups. They can get by guys and they don't always do that. And Jalen Hudson has, has made an effort more of doing that. Isn't, you know, it's not something he's great at. And, um, so, so hypothetically I would say, yeah, give it a shot, but cause though, and, and the one thing too is, um, you know, Hayes had three rebounds last night. Uh, and I know it was, you know, He's he's not an excellent rebounder, not an awful rebounder. He does box out pretty good, but uh, but once again, uh, if it's is if you play um, you know if you play Keontae Johnson at the five and whoever else at the four would have small Jalen Hudson is that you know much different than than Kavarius Hayes at the five and Jalen Hudson at the four when it comes to securing the defensive glass? Uh, I don't think the difference is is that big. So um, yeah, I'd I'd be down to give something like that a shot. Well, yeah, and I mean let, let's let me just back up on one point that Eric made, because we're, we keep talking about, well, you have to beat people off the dribble. And I, I think the one thing I did spawn on that is that doesn't necessarily mean beat them off the dribble and make layups, right? It just means beat them off the dribble and occupy defenders so that other people become open. Yes. <laughs> and, and so that's why Loyola was able to do it because their guards could get in the paint enough off the bounce to where their ability to make shots mattered. Um, and, and of course they made a ton of shots. It's the same way they beat Miami, by the way, <laughs> they did the same thing. Um, and yeah, Loyola's cards all played more than 10 minutes against Tennessee with four of them playing 20 plus looking at the box score here. So, um, <laughs> so I mean, that was, that was their formula. And, and the reason I suggested it is because Florida does in fact play good enough defense most of the time. To, to kind of get away with it, right? But uh, yeah, I mean, you got to be able to get in the paint, make good decisions with the basketball, and then when guys are open, they got to hit jump shots. And that doesn't just mean Noah Locke; that means everybody. 
Yeah, I mean that's just kind of what basketball is in a lot of ways. Is is you need to you know you need to have two defenders occupying one guy. That's pretty much you know you look at any offensive system that anyone runs. Um, it's either uh, find a way to free a guy up the screen off a screen for you know a quick opening, or it's uh, how can we make two defenders guard one guy and get an advantage that way. And um, uh, one thing that Loyola Chicago did as well, as we uh, you know relive last year's tournament, is just uh, you know is that they played that uh, they played really good pack line defense, and uh, they kind of forced Tennessee to shoot jump shots and 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 stay on the perimeter. And um, that was just again when you look back at Florida's matchup last year with or sorry uh, earlier in the year with Florida is they did shoot the ball really well, and that was kind of uh, what was pretty frustrating was uh, you know to see guys that aren't aren't excellent shooters and. In Jordan Bone hit some open threes, and and Lamonte Turner and and Jordan Bowden hit a big one, and um, you know they, they they weren't a great shooting team, and um, I mean they haven't been a great shooting team, but they were able to hit some really key jump shots against the Gators. So uh, that would be another thing if we're you know taking a, a page out of the playbook from um, from the from Loyola from last year in the NCAA tournament is you you want to you know you do want to keep Tennessee on the perimeter, and and you do hope that instead of shooting thirty six percent from three, they shoot thirty one. And and you get a couple uh, you get a couple big misses from them and uh, maybe that's tough to say because you know Tennessee's on their home court and you know you should probably hit more shots on your home court than you do on the road but uh, I, I'd like to think they probably uh, uh, they probably don't shoot the ball as well as they did in Florida's first matchup. Yeah, I would agree. And and by the way, for those laughing at the five yard idea of Keontae Johnson playing the five, Igor Kulichov played quite a bit of center in Knoxville last year. So <laughs> yeah. So it's not like it's not like Mike White hasn't done that against this team, and, and I, I just I don't know. It's one. It's the one wrinkle that I obviously thought Florida didn't use in the home tilt. That maybe back on the road against a team that you feel like you match up okay with, which I think is safe to say that like I think this is a better matchup for Florida than than Kentucky by some distance. I think um, because I might not like Tremont Waters as much as like everyone in America. I think, and I still think it's a better matchup than LSU, by the way. Uh, <laughs> so you kind of look at Florida's schedule, and I'm like, where can they snag like an epic win that would that would secure them an NCAA tournament berth? And, you know, you kind of go, well, maybe it would be in Knoxville. Um, now, yeah. <laughs> all that said, I, I don't expect this, this senior-laden Tennessee team to just drop a game to a struggling Florida team at home. Um, but... I do think there are things Florida could do to make life difficult on Tennessee for the second straight game. Yeah, definitely. I, if Florida can can get back into their uh, the way that they've kind of were forcing turnovers earlier in this season, um, that would be pretty big. And um, again, uh, against the backcourt in, uh, in Tennessee, that that is probably the weak point of the team. Even though their backcourt played really really well against Florida in Gainesville, um, I think that's a matchup you've got to try to. Uh, uh, you got to try to win that one. You've got to try to exploit that one, just because you know that uh, that Schofield and Williams are, are going to be a handful. Uh, but uh, you were talking about how Tennessee was a is a better matchup than uh, you know than Kentucky. Well, once again, Florida was right in the game right until the end, uh, right until the last two right. minutes. And uh, you know, I thought that they played really well to to get to that point. Um, but I thought Tennessee played pretty well too. And um, if you can kind of force things to be difficult for Tennessee in, in some different ways and. Uh, you know, maybe we see a different kind of full court pressure or something just to, to change things up and, and try to see what uh, what could really bother them. Um, if they can play a little bit worse, I mean, that that could have been the difference in, in Gainesville and that could be the difference in Knoxville. So uh, there, there's definitely some hope, um, you know, coming off what was uh, a really deflating game. 
Um, we'll see how they respond. But uh, uh, you know, you've got to think, hey, it was uh, it was it was tight. Uh, it was tight in Gainesville. They've got a whole lot of film at this point, and and maybe they can uh, they can pull some magic. Absolutely. So we will uh, we'll, we'll see how it goes. You know, as Eric said, one of Florida's best performances of the year arguably was uh, the Tennessee game. As hard as that is for for maybe people to 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 wrap their heads around, I thought it was just a really well played basketball game on all sides, and um, and Florida kind of came up short, and and you know we we litigated the the Kayvon Allen decision and some of the other things that went into the end of the game there um, for Florida, but but this could be another one where Florida has a chance at the end of the game, which has kind of been the theme of the season, um, one and eight in quadrant one wins, and you know. All but two of them within five points at the last under four timeout. That's a stat I did bring to the podcast. Wow. So either way, within five points, including Kentucky. So I think uh, Florida just kind of, you know, coming up on the short end. Maybe this is just one of those years that it's a learning experience for a really talented freshman class that has another really talented freshman class right behind it. Uh, Maybe – Maybe not, though, you know. There's still some basketball to to grind out. So we're going to ask for listener questions later in the week um, and kind of field some of those um, after the, the, the Tennessee game uh, because I don't know how much time we'll spend. Uh, depending on how things goes, who knows how much time we'll spend actually breaking down the Tennessee game and getting ready for Vanderbilt. So it just seems like we'd have more to talk about in the next show. Yeah, that would be that would be great to get some listener questions, and you know, some listener questions after a Tennessee win would be, or sorry, a, yeah, win over Tennessee would be pretty interesting because that uh, that really changed the trajectory of the season. But uh, yeah, either way, uh, yeah, looking forward to seeing what people have to send in. All right, and we will wish uh, Eric and, and his uh, guys luck uh, this weekend, and the uh, as as Eric hits the road in the Great White North. Yeah, uh, yeah. I I got to say, I'm going to go see Matthew Alexander Moncrief, which is uh, which is one of the uh, the five stars uh, Canadian that, that Florida has offered. And uh, yeah, one thing that's really great about Canada is there's uh, not a media circus that follows him. So I'm looking forward to uh, to getting a good uh, a good face to face conversation with him and uh, maybe seeing more Florida lies. Yeah, no, that'd be uh, that'd be great. Come back and and give us a uh, scouting report. I know, um, you know, I'm sure I'm sure the Florida coaches are already starting to chomp at the bit to get out on the recruiting trail a little bit <laughs> the, the way the way that things are going right now but oh, uh, I... another 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 thing we we want to talk about next show cuz uh we did get one listener question about graduate transfers and I thought oh well I think we probably need time to prepare for that so we're not ignoring it um to to the listener that that brought those up um this... we'll try to prepare them f- for for after Tennessee. Okay, this is this is. Uh, I was I was literally just about to say that. So I have started a few days ago my research for <laughs> what could be my greatest article of all time at Gator Country. Um, I only <laughs> say that because so this is just something for for listeners because people always ask me. They always ask Neil. They always ask the show. Um, what grad transfers could Florida go after? This is the thing. It is really difficult to know who's eligible. It's not easy to know who's eligible to be a grad transfer. It's not just I made a mistake. I made a mistake about it. Last well, week. yeah, there's some people on Twitter and yeah, some good friends of mine too that um, you know, they were talking about John Mooney and uh, uh, as a grad transfer and and I, you know, that's he's he's not eligible and I had to explain that and that's all good. I, I there is there is like a lot. So what what I'm getting at is it's really not easy to find out 
who is eligible to be a grad transfer. But I have put in like a lot of hours already to see who's all eligible. And I'm like one eighth of the way through the college basketball universe. So it takes a really long time, (laughs) but I am like hoping to have a really, really good article uh, uh, that's like literally going to have like all the potential guys Florida could go after. And um, then I would, uh, yeah, I would love to talk about them. And um, so, yeah, I'm putting work into that, but there's, there's a reason that me and Neil don't talk about it just because it's not like, Hey, let's pull up the list of available grad transfers for the upcoming year, because oftentimes just (laughs) academically, you don't know until the summer. Um, It's not easy to sort. It's, it is actually quite difficult. So that is, I, I, I would say that's probably the reason that uh, we don't really talk about it very often. If it was really easy to look at a list, um yeah we probably would be like oh here's the list of available grad transfers let's kind of identify some guys it's it's not that easy unfortunately yeah no and so so we will we will discuss it and i loved that the the person that asked the question it only came up to them not because it was like wow florida could really feel a need on the grad transfer market which is obvious and true but (laughs) it came up because last night's uh the end of of the game with marquette last night where uh you know Marcus Howard kind of could have leaned into Mustafa Harry, <laughs> but didn't. And so Marquette lost. And I was like, man, if he leans into him, like I'm sure Brett Nelson coaches him to do <laughs> yeah. in that situation. That's like a, they have to blow the whistle. Right. So, and then, you know, you know who your money's on to make those shots. Right. So <laughs> yes. It was like, I loved that that triggered the question because I was like, that is a basketball break. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, um, they've yeah. got a good, tra- they've got a good grad, uh, grad transfer in Joseph Chartuni actually at Marquette. So that's another, uh, got my nose on the grad transfer uh, market. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, so Neil, I'll let you know, uh, this is, you know, that's a whole lot of work for grad transfer, but I am, I am working on it and I will have, uh, I will have a pretty good list uh, sometime. I love it. I love it. Well, everybody, thanks for, uh, thanks for joining us and, and, um, you know, thanks for, thanks for sticking with us in, uh, in, uh, what's been a tough year, no doubt. Um, but, uh, still some basketball to be played and, and some things for this team to accomplish if they, uh, if they don't give up. Bye-bye.